you have a construction business or a home service business, you know your service and product, but HR is another one of those things you gotta learn. And usually you learn it through fire. And if you can have the support of somebody who's been through it before and be able to guide you, it just works that much better. The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit. I'm Gordon Henry, and this is Winning on Main Street. This week, we have a terrific guest who can help you run your business better, and specifically, who can help you in a key area facing nearly every small business, managing people. And that includes hiring, firing, and managing your people better. That's right, people. And her name is Laura Tolhook, and she runs Essential HR at essentialhr.ca. She's in Canada, and she's a leading authority on how to improve your whole area of human resources. I know you're going to get a lot out of this show. Laura, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to have you. And, and this is not an area we focused on before. We tend to talk a lot about things like cash and, 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 and you know, strategies and technology, but we haven't talked a lot about people. So I'm excited to, to get into this with you. We're uh, HR geeks, so we love to talk HR. <laughs> That's great. HR geeks. Okay. So, uh, all right, HR geek, why is it so tough for small businesses to manage human resources? Well, as a small business owner myself, I completely understand the number of hats that you wear as an entrepreneur. And I don't think that's talked about enough in the space of people who are starting businesses. So, you know, when I started Essential HR a few years ago, I, no problem. I got this HR thing down. I know, I know my business. I know what I, my experiences is, and I can help any customer that comes in the door, but finance marketing, sales, those things were so brand new to me and still working through them. So in the same token, when somebody else is starting a business, you know, they're learning the same thing. I, if you have a construction business or a home service business, you know, your service and and product, but HR is another one of those things you got to learn. And usually you learn it through fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's not usually something that you kind of, you know what, I'm going to open up a book about compensation today, or I'm, I'm going to find a text on recruitment and selection and, and learn the basic principles. No, it's something you learn by fire. And, and if you can have the support of somebody who's been through it before and be able to guide you, it just works that much better. Most of the small business people I know are really good at their craft. They're good at plumbing or roofing or lawyering, but Many of the things that go along with running a small business, they have to learn, as you say, by fire, whether that's accounting or managing their cash or the technology you need to use. And HR seems to fall into one of those categories. So uh, I get it. And I think uh, many, many of the small business people listening probably do, too. So let's talk about hiring. Yeah. Until COVID hit, the economy, at least in the U.S., I assume Canada, the same was was roaring. And you used to hear. I can't find any good help. I can't find any good help, especially in the trades people area. Is that still true? Is it just super hard to find good people who you can afford if you're a small business? So I think that's two questions. Is it hard to find good people? And the second question is, can you afford them? Mm. 
So I would say, yeah, good people are hard to find. Mm. But on the same token as a job seeker, good companies are also (laughs) hard to find. So what you really need to do is position yourself as an employer that somebody would want to work with. And that starts way back at square one. So when you're looking for somebody, do you actually know what you're looking for? And do you have a way of communicating that clearly to the people that you're hoping to hire? Because I think sometimes as business owners, and I struggle with this myself with my team, I have a thousand things going through my brain. We were on a call this morning and I was jumping topics before anybody was catching up with me. And it happens with recruiting too. We have a thousand things that we want this person to do or they could potentially do, or, hey, look at this new opportunity because they have this skill set, And we're not clearly defining what the role is even, let alone how amazing that we are as an employer and why they should come work for us. So it's a two-way street, I think. And finding that that written communication and being able to tell the person in front of you why you're so fantastic and and they should come work for you is super important. Right. Is it harder for small businesses to develop that corporate culture and then communicate it then? Is it harder than for big businesses? I mean, it seems big businesses, you know, sometimes they have whole departments that worry about things like corporate culture and the small business, you you generally don't have that much staff. So, So how do you actually do it? So it's funny because you say, can you develop a corporate culture? The fact of the matter is you already have one. Mm. Whether you've defined it or whether you even understand what it is, it's already there. So if you're the type of person who loves the details and you're great at giving lots of instruction about the details, the how to get from A to Z, and you give all the letters in between, that's part of the corporate culture that you have and your management style. If you're a person who says, look at we're at A and I need you to get to Z and figure it out, that's part of the corporate culture you have. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more looking at what you, who you are as a manager, um, who your team is, because we define things like teamwork, but what does that look like as a team? Does mm-hmm. that mean we have a lot of great experts who come together and make a project or are we more collaborative in our approach. So really looking at those aspects of your business will help you define your corporate culture. And then when you take a hard look at it, you can decide, you know what, I like these three aspects and maybe we need to work on aspect number four. Let's talk about your practice. Mm -hmm. You're you're at Essential HR, you come into small businesses generally and you help them with the whole area of HR. First of all, you described to me, you have a unique, I guess, way of, of uh, offering your jobs or, or, or getting hired, which is you, you sometimes work just by the hour, by the project. It's not necessarily a big, long project. It can be very small and discreet, yeah. right? Is that right? Yeah. So we work on projects like onboarding projects, recruitment projects. Some people say, listen, I don't want to search through 30 resumes, talk to 15 people who aren't good for this world. Just give me the top two or three, Hmm. Um, as well as policies, developing those communication systems. But our signature way of working with people is through small, what we call monthly um, partnerships, which are essentially a retainer. Mm -hmm. And when you think of HR, people like, I only have three people. I only have seven. I only have 12 And you compare yourself to the big guys who have whole HR departments. And what we've done is we've taken, you know, our years of corporate big budget 
experience and we're making it customized for small businesses. So I grew up in a small business family. Uh, my father runs a elevator maintenance and construction company um, that I've watched grow from when I was just born to just him to, you know, 35 people. And hmm. I see the tenacity that small business owners need. And I also know that just because you don't have an HR person in the building, doesn't mean you don't have HR problems. <laughs> so helping small business owners and our most of our clients are between, I would say, 10 to 20 staff members uh, with those problems before they become bigger or putting systems into place to make your life easier mm. is what we do. Got it. So when you get hired, what, what would you say is kind of the number one problem that most people come to you with? Is it as, as simple as I need to go through these resumes or is it something more complex? Yeah, I think it really depends on the client, but I'll be honest. One of the first things we tackle is policies. Hmm. And the reason is as business owners, we have a thousand ideas of how we want things run in our head. And oftentimes we think we've communicated them. We think we've said it 18 times because we've thought about it 32 times but we haven't communicated in a way that people are clear. Hmm. So the first thing we start doing is policies. And at the end of the day, everything to do with HR is communication. When you have policies, it's communication. When you have an onboarding program, it's communication. When you have a compensation program, it's communication. That's really at the core of it, what HR is all about. So we help triage with um, when new clients come on board, we see what systems do you have? What can we elevate and bolster that's already working for you? And what gaps are there? So I would say policies are the first one. The second one is uh, job descriptions and onboarding. Mm -hmm. So clarifying what those roles are in a way that's adaptable. And right now we're going at, back at a lot of job descriptions to figure out what happened when these positions went remote. Mm -hmm. So do we need to adapt the key performance indicators so that we know what the objectives are? And the second piece of that onboarding, do we need to take a look, a hard look at what do people need when they come on board? Mm -hmm. And how do we make sure that experience is fantastic for them? Right. So do you come in and you mentioned compensation, will you come in and do something like a compensation study for that particular type of business in the area they're in and recommend uh, wages, rates that should be paid? Yeah, we do that and we do job evaluation. So, mm -hmm. and again, we do it on a much smaller scale than some, some of these bigger organizations, because when you're 10 people, mm -hmm. You, you probably don't need the big guys, uh, but you do need some clarification about the who, what, where, how, and how much, because nobody likes being asked for a raise, you know, every two and a half months at the most inopportune times when you're not prepared to have that conversation. So yeah, we come in and we look at that compensation and we do job evaluations to make sure that within the organization, things, there's, there's clarity and there's fairness. And then we go external and say, okay, what is, what is the market telling us? that is the going rate and how does that work within our own business because just because the market says this is the rate doesn't necessarily mean that is the rate for you hmm. you might be coming in a little bit higher you might be coming in a bit lower depending on what you have to offer right how has covid changed the hiring environment i mean we've been living with this thing for a year now just about how has it changed what you do and, and what small businesses are, are dealing with in terms of hiring and retaining talent? I think at the end of the day, over the past year, we've adapted so quickly and so much, it almost 
I hate this term, but it feels like the new normal. Mm-hmm. So I know for us, we've always done video interviews. First, we don't do phone interviews. We've we've got this great technology. So even before COVID, video interviews were a big thing. But I think some some job seekers are looking not only for a job, but how have you treated your employees through this? What protocols do you have in place? You know, what measures have you taken to make sure that people are safe? And they're looking at that as another factor of who they want to be employed by. Right, right. Are, are people more, I'd say younger people particularly, looking more to join smaller companies or bigger companies now? Is there any trend you spotted or noticed? I think when you look at the, those underlying feelings of the next generation coming in, and I don't say millennials because I'm a millennial, <laughs> but the, I think it's called Gen Z um, that are coming in. At the end of the day, they want the same thing as the baby boomers. Mm. They want communication. They want clarity. They want some feedback in, in what they do. Mm. The only difference is, is the previous generations, the baby boomers, they never asked. Mm. This generation says, hey, how am I doing? Can, right. can somebody sit down with me? I need some face-to-face time. And as much as we say, all oh, these people are all on, on devices, this gener- generation actually wants the FaceTime. Yeah. They want the communication. Yeah. So when you have these individuals coming in, I think it's a little bit more difficult for the managerial and supervisory team because now they're like, I want confirmation and I want constructive feedback because I want to get better. I want to ask you a question before we go to the break. You know, a lot has changed in business over the past, I don't know, maybe it's five, 10 years, maybe it's longer in terms of areas like discrimination and harassment, all these uncomfortable topics that we hear about a lot and lawsuits coming out of those. Is that part of what you train small businesses about? And what are the key kind of do's or don't do's that you tell them in order to protect themselves? understanding what is considered discrimination, what is considered harassment. And I've, I've trained on harassment and violence in the workplace before. And, and, you know, some people are like, well, I can't hold the people accountable anymore because it's going to be considered harassment. You absolutely can hold people accountable. You shouldn't yell at them. You shouldn't threaten them. <laughs> and you shouldn't make them feel so highly uncomfortable that they feel, you know, put out. And let's not put it, do it in front of the entire team. Hmm. And I think you got to look back to that, you know, the, the principle of how would you want to be treated? And so when it comes to anything related to harassment and violence and discrimination in the workplace, let's just reflect back on if that was my daughter, or if that was my son, or if that was my wife or my husband, how would I want them treated? Mm-hmm. And it's all rooted in the principles of communication. So yeah, absolutely. We are not going to discriminate based off sex, based off religion, based off all of these factors. Mm-hmm. Those are the big things, but there's so much more nuance in how we treat people. Mm-hmm. Do you find smaller businesses getting into more hot water with that? Maybe just because they don't have the HR departments, the guidance that they perhaps need or, or, or they've done okay. I think it goes, I, I don't think one way or another, um, mm. I think small in all honesty, unfortunately, I think smaller businesses might get away with it more mm. because the larger you are, the more risk and liability you mm. have. You know, when, when we provide advice to our clients, it's always about managing risk. Mm. Uh, I had a client this morning who wanted to terminate somebody who wanted a medical leave of absence. And I said, I can't help you with that. 
you know, like that they're entitled to a medical leave of absence. And I can't, I can't move forward in what you want to do because it goes against the law. So, and after explaining how we can move forward, then you're like, okay, well, this makes sense. But it's all about, it's about risk management. But at the end of the day, it's also about treating people fairly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great points. We're just going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more with Laura Tolhook. This is small business expert, Barry Moltz. 2020 has been a tough year for small business owners. The COVID-19 pandemic, the civil unrest, and a contentious presidential election, any one of which would have made a very difficult year, but they actually all happened in 2020. I've been so impressed with the resiliency and the ingenuity that all small business owners have shown during COVID-19, but it's now time to turn the page to 2021. If your business is now stuck and you're unsure how to grow it in a post-COVID-19 economy, give me a call 773-837-8250, or you can email me at barry at Remember, I'm here to help you any way I can. We're back with Laura Tolhook of EssentialHR.ca, that's Canada, yep, and she's telling us a lot about how to manage HR within a small business environment. It's fascinating if you are mostly used to working in larger company environments, how you know these challenges affect small business managers and owners and trying to work through this. So you're a small business owner yourself, you have employees, tell me how do you manage HR within your own environment? What are some tips, <laughs> best practices? So it's funny you ask that because within our, our group, we have some checks and balances. And mostly I would say my business consultants check put checks on me. So we all have our own approach. And especially when it comes to recruitment, I'll give you the example. I, I love connecting with people. So when we were recruiting for our own team, we had an interview guide. We had the job description done. It was all by the book. And then I get in front of somebody in an interview and I just feel, you, you feel those synapses. You're like, this is good. We're connecting. And I felt good about it. Finished the interview. I asked my colleague and I said, you know, do you have any, ex- do you have any questions for this candidate? And she goes, yeah. Do you want me to finish the interview guide? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, that part. So mm-hmm. I think when it comes to how you manage your business, you need to have the systems in place that are going to guard and, and reduce liability, but there also has to be some play in there. And I think you've got to work off of the people within your environment. Mm. So, you know, my colleague, she's really good and, and at bringing in the structure. Whereas I tend to be like, yeah, no, we're, we're good with that. And she's like, nope, we're going to bring in a full onboarding for this individual. So small business is tough because it goes by really who's, who's guiding the ship. And so having those checkpoints with people in place. So for, for our business, it's my colleague for another small business, it might be an HR manager who says, yeah, I see what you're doing, but let's add a, B and C and strengthen the whole system. So I see your recruitment seems to be pretty good, but let's bolster the information in your job posting and make sure that description is very clear. And then let's make sure it's also followed up by a great onboarding program. And we can help you with that Mm. because when you put it all together, you've got you know, the great 
great intuition and the great gut and the great leadership with the systems put in. And now you've got your liability greatly reduced as well because you're not working on the fly anymore. Speaking of the systems then, I guess that sort of leads into technology. We talk a lot in this show about technology and use of technology for different types of business pursuits, whether it's for you know managing your cash or your financials or your marketing. When it comes to HR, is, import, is it important to have certain types of systems like technology? Is there a particular type of software you recommend? How should business owners think about the use of technology or systems when it comes to HR? So if you're an employer under 10, the first thing I would say is a time and attendance system. Get off of Excel. Because the last thing you need is more administration that's more work than it is benefit. So there are so many apps out there at different price points um, to help with your time and attendance. You should not no longer be managing vacation schedules, sick days uh, manually. That is the first thing you should do as a small business owner. Then if you want to start layering on top, let's look at checkpoints and performance management from a development standpoint. So there's some great software, some great dashboards that help you track goal setting and development. But whatever you do when it comes to, to systems, it has to be of benefit and not just be something that, you know, is going to be another, another hurdle. Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't work within the communication culture of your organization already, it's not going to be of benefit. So if you've decided, you know what, we're going to bring in this monthly checkpoints. We're not doing quarterly or annual reviews. We're doing monthly checkpoints or weekly checkpoints with our team, but that's not already in the communication culture. If you barely talk to your team as it is, and now you're trying to do weekly, it's gonna fall flat pretty quickly. So let's take a look at what your culture is and what your communication is, and let's build the systems that make sense for where you are, and then move as that as that as we integrate that into what we we want as the end goal but if we can't talk to people quarterly why do we think we're going to talk to them monthly hmm. yep makes sense laura is the practice of hr within a small business does it differ significantly between different types of businesses or different types of industries i mean i'm just sort of picturing a law firm environment with a few employees and then a construction firm and then maybe you know home services like roofing or plumbing, and then maybe an auto body shop. And it just seems that the environment, the culture of the HR is going to differ between these different types of businesses. Is that true or it's all really the same? No, absolutely. Each The way that it's HR is implemented in each of those businesses is extremely unique. That's why you can't just take plug and play templates and make it work for you. You can't just pull policies off of the internet and be like, all right, this is ours. It has to work for who you, who your business or what Mm -hmm. your business is. And so you might find similarities in how there's, you know, different approaches, but if it's not customized for your unique, your unique business, your unique culture, Mm. the way that you manage, if you try, if you try getting a manager, a micromanager to start acting like a macro manager, it's going to fall flat. We got to, maybe we can help the micromanager give up just a little bit for their own sanity and trust their team and work through that process. But if we try to turn them the next page, the next day, it's not going to work. Right. For sure. We hear maybe too much about internet startups these days, the tech startups and 
you know, they all seem to have, you know, a, a foosball table and, you know, a slide and everybody's wearing t-shirts and, you know, that's so different than you'd find in sort of a traditional small business. So I guess it just depends on who you are and who you're trying to attract. Yeah, I always, I always love the foosball table and I, I call it the office parakeet. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter if you have a swimming pool and a massage therapist who gives, you know, therapeutic treatments at lunchtime. If you aren't talking to your employees, if there is no communication from the supervisors to the, you know, client facing team members, if that is broken, it doesn't matter how many puppies you bring into your office. Mm -hmm that's never going to fix the engagement problem because engagement starts with communication and building that loyalty between the supervisor and the employee and puppies, pool tables, hmm. you know, who, who knows free pizza every day, nothing will fix that problem. Right. I want to make sure we, we give you a chance to plug your own services and, and you talked about it a little bit, but I was wondering if, if people listening to this show want to reach out to you, to find out about your services. Do you do some kind of free trial or free call, not a free trial, but like a free <laughs> call where somebody can check in with you for 10 or 15 minutes, see if it's a fit? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to our, our website, essentialhr.ca slash sign up, that will get you right to our, our newsletter. Just send me an email. We'll set up something real quick and we can and go from there. Yeah, we do 20 minute kind of just discovery calls. Let's see if, let's see if you like me. And let's see if, you know, we can work within your organization. I mean, we work across a number of different industries, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, we want to, we want to be your business partner. And mm -hmm. if you don't want to call us, then we can't help you. If you think, oh, we don't, we don't want to call essential HR because, you know, they're going to hit us over the head with a book and then tell us what we're doing wrong. That's not how we roll. We really want to be a support and somebody you want to call at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. if you don't feel that connection and that click, then right. absolutely, this isn't the right, right thing for us, but that's why we offer those discovery calls for sure. Awesome. That's great to know. As we close, I always like to hear a little bit about you, the person and how you got to where you are part of your journey. First of all, you're obviously a super busy person. You run a flourishing business. What do you do in your spare time? Well, I live vicariously through the sports of my children. Uh -huh. uh, my daughter is in Acro. She's seven years old and she's in Acro right now. And watching her like learn a back handspring brings the greatest joy to me. But we're also avid baseball fans. We got our, our Blue Jays down here and or I guess up here. And so you'll find me gardening, watching baseball or just watching my kids in their sports activities. That's great. And in reaching the point in your life where you've been able to run this business, manage a family, I'm always curious also about your habits. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything in terms of your day-to-day -day habits, the time you wake up, the time you go to bed, the things you read, the things you listen to that you feel have contributed to your success? So I would say there's three things. The first is I started listening to podcasts about two years ago hmm. and I had never listened to a podcast before that. And I find such value in being able to connect with people by listening to the genius that they bring. Hmm. The second is my business coach has been invaluable. And I think that's definitely the, if you, when you connect with a great coach, masterclass, mastermind, that will excel your business so fast and so quick. 
And then the third thing I would say is I don't, I don't do well waking up early. I tried the 5 a.m. I, I, I was good for about six weeks and then fell off the train there. I don't have habits that people would typically think of, oh yeah, that's why they've got this down. Like, you know, she works out at 7 a.m. every morning. You'll find me making, you know, craft dinner at 7 a.m. to put in my kids' lunch. That's what I do at 7 a.m. But one thing I'll be honest with you in, in my journey that has helped me is I've learned to be kind to myself. So entrepreneurship is hard. And I remember feeling so just exhausted at 12.30 or one o'clock or 10 a.m. And I'm like, I just need to, I need to do something to let my brain stop working for a minute and stop thinking. And so I eat lunch, God forbid that a, a business owner eats lunch away <laughs> from the computer. And I learned to say, you know what, if I need this hour to not be going at full force, then I'm going to take this hour because as a business owner, nobody's asking me <laughs> what I did with the last hour. So if I need to recharge, if I need at two o'clock, if I need to be on, then at one o'clock, maybe I need to take a break and I need to stop feeling guilty about taking those breaks. And that was a huge flip to me to stop feeling busy 24 seven. Well, that's very refreshing and honest. And I appreciate your willing to communicate that because, you know, sometimes people feel they have to say all the, you know, classic things you hear about successful entrepreneurs, but you got to do it your own way. And that's what you've said. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love those successful entrepreneurs. I like gleaning wisdom from them. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't fit me, same with HR, right? If it doesn't fit what your business is doing, you're not going to keep it going. Waking up at 5am did not fit for our family. <laughs> so, Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Well, Laura, you've been a great guest. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening to this and you love Laura and want to find out more about her business and, and maybe working with her, remember, go to essentialhr.ca. That's essentialhr.ca. That's Canada. But she works across the border, right? Canada, U.S., doesn't matter, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Okay, great. And if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and tell a friend or colleague to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We really would appreciate that. And until next time, make it a great week.